Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Farm Talk with John O'Connor. Later in the program, livestock welfare in the current heatwave, lamb prices. But first, a call for amendments to the Acres Agri-Climate Rural Environment Scheme Programme draft document by Mr Michael Biggins, IFA Rural Development Committee National Chair. Well, uh, hello, John. Uh, look, at, you know, we were promised in the programme for government a reps-type scheme and there was bells and whistles and what have you with it. And uh, unfortunately, the terms and conditions were, the draft terms and conditions were released last Friday and, you know, it's it's anything but uh, um, a reps type scheme. It's now while there's you know there's some aspects of it that will suit some farmers, and there's no question about it. But in general, as far as I can see, it's aimed at a reduction in production again. You know that uh, you know you have to you have to uh, you know surrender more land to uh, you know to, to uh, extensive extensive grazing and no fertilising and what have you. So. Like it's it's as I say herd reduction by itself. So it's in, in, in that and that from that aspect of it, it, it is disappointing. It's uh, one aspect of it that I am getting a lot of uh, negativity about is the uh, the low input permanent pasture that was available in the last in 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 glass. That was a very popular option for a lot of farmers, and uh, they have reduced the payment for that in. In this, in, in this uh, proposed in new terms and conditions on proposed payment, there is a reduced payment on that to uh, from 310 to 200 euros a hectare. Now they have extended that number of hectares, but that's fine if you have the acreage. But if you don't, it's a, it's a serious drawback. It's um, you know like it's a long time in the melting pot. It's you know there've been there's been two years of a rollover in. Uh, of glass, so I think they had ample time to get it to get it right and put more thought into it. But again, uh, as I said, it's aimed at a reduction in production. And while the minister and the teacher and the tonnage say they're not that they're not involved in reducing the, the national herd, if they came out and said they were reducing it, it might be the more honest way because they'd have to compensate farmers for actually reducing the herd. But uh, I think it's a way of. Uh, it's cutting back in production by stealth. I think, in fact, in the press, in one or two of the articles covering you in the National Agri-Press, you said, in fact, unfortunately, much as you didn't like saying it, but it appeared to be discouraging farming. Well, it's definitely, that's exactly it. Like, you know, you're, I think what's, you know, 
when people when people start farming, they they, they want to to make as much possible use out of every hectare or acre they have. And you know, this is uh, while I know while I know we all need to do our bit for the environment on that, but the asks are so high, like you know, we're not that there's not enough compensation in there for it. Like when you consider back twenty five years ago what reps was and the payments that were there of you know five thousand pounds. Uh, and now, and you know, the average payment in the general scheme is, is going to be five thousand euros. Twenty-five years later, you know, so putting, you know, to put that in context, like with you know the way everything else has moved on, wages and income and everything, like it's it's you know it's absolutely crazy that it's that it's we're we're at, we're we're chasing pennies, and the, the sad part about of it, about it, John, is that it's the low-income sectors that that usually. Um, sign up for environmental schemes in order to boost their incomes and you know we find that it's going to be very that there's a there's there's a huge asks in this to um, to draw down any meaningful payment and as i said it's it's a huge it's a huge uh, it has proved to be a huge portion of low income sectors uh, um, income over the last number of years there's another worrying aspect there that I find, you know, I, th- I think it's the, probably the most important thing is that, you know, with the throwing system of, of applying, that there's a serious there's a serious chance that some farmers will fall through the, the floorboards and actually have a gap in payments, you know, which would which would, um, you know, which, which, which again would have a devastating impact on on their incomes because. Um, you know, we, when we met the department uh, on this last October, the attitude was, "Well, sure, if you miss a year, you'll be paid for an extra year." You know, which was totally unacceptable. And like, what I'd be looking for the minister to do is to ensure that anybody that wants to get into the new scheme with all its with all its warts and all, um, that there that there's accommodation made for them, and that there will be that there will be a payment made to them in in 2023. Like, yeah, you had, you know, there there is a precedent there in reps that uh, you know there was a prepayment, and I think it's important that the, that that that's looked at that that that's looked at seriously. That there's a, a prepayment in 2023 because you know the tranche two won't be applying until the thir- until the fourth quarter of 2023, and um, it's uh, you know it, it, like there, there's got to be a prepayment or else there's going to be a gap year. There's another option there for the minister that he could roll over participants in Gloss Three, like uh, the participants in Gloss Three. They've uh, it's only been just wrote, their contract ended in the end of December 2021. It was rolled over for one year. So while while Gloss, while Gloss One and Two have been rolled over twice, they could easily dro- uh, roll over that there's 12,000 farmers in Gloss Three. It's It'd be a very simple option to roll over those twelve thousand for another year, leave them in glass, and take the pressure off the consultants and indeed the farmers. Besides this panic of trying to get into the scheme, there's going to be enough of panic next year with the new cap and that, and and trying to get into a, a new environmental scheme on top of that. It's going to put severe pressure on on both Chagask and the private consultants. 
in a time when farmers need certainty, we need some kind of certainty, but the scoring, the scoring of fields, that sounds a little ominous. We won't know what the actual payments are until the score results are revealed or published. That's another kind of uncertainty, another, another nagging thing that you can't uh, build on what you think your land is going to bring in. That, that's, that you're exactly right, John. I mean, that is the problem with results-based schemes. And like the while the, the, both uh, Minister Peter Hackett and, and uh, Minister McConnell are singing the praises of it, there's a huge uncertainty there. And like, you know, you can, you can actually get a field that'll actually, that you'll get a zero on. If you don't get four, four or over uh, as a score, you'll, you'll get zero on your hectare. So, I mean, that's, you know, that, that, that that's it. There should be at least a minimum payment there. But like, you know, to, to come out announcing a scheme that there's 10,000 in it, there's 10,500 for the perfect, for a perfect score. And like, it's, that's, as we all know, that's nearly impossible to get. And I, I think, you know, uh, you know, while, you know, there are some good aspects in the scheme, I, I'll acknowledge that. But it, it's to get this, it's this uh, results base that puts a huge question mark over what farmers can draw down. You're calling on the Minister of Agriculture, Mr. Sean McConnellug, to allocate additional money and to ensure all valid scheme applications are accepted, while also ensuring that no farmer, no farmer, is left without an environment scheme payment for 2023. And you say this can be done by either rolling over the 12,000 gloss three participants for 2023, or alternatively by paying an upfront payment in 2023 for tranche two acres participants, similar to the way reps payments were paid in the past. I think that more or less accurately sums up what you said earlier. Absolutely, absolutely, John. I mean, the, the, the mechanism is there if the will is there. And like, you know, what we have found is, you know, the, the department and the minister, they want everything, you know, to, to work, you know, without any hassle towards, to them, you know, to staff and that, like, like we, they have got to accommodate Farmers that have been that have that are totally that are dependent on an environmental scheme for a huge portion of their income, and like they cannot have a gap year, and I think that has to be driven home. That that's the number one issue. That the big the other issue there is like the actual they're talking about fifty thousand participants. Like there were forty eight thousand in glass. There were eleven thousand odd. Uh, applications to join the REAP scheme last uh, two years ago. So you're looking at the goods of 60,000 there, plus any extras. So we, we feel that it's going to be, like, like while, while we would prefer to see a much a better and more enhanced payments and all that, like, but because, because it's low-income farmers that, that, that normally apply, you know, they, they, they will be applying for it because they can't afford to leave this after them. But there's no, like, like, we cannot have a situation where there's going to be 10,000 plus farmers that w- wish to get into a scheme that can't. So, like, I think the minister has got to, got to keep his eye on the ball here and see and, and make provision for any extra um, applicants over the 50,000, which I think will be there because of the, the situation with farm incomes. There is still time with this draft programme to make a few changes, not huge changes, but a few changes which would make it very attractive, not just to the larger farmers, but to the smaller farmers. And in that case, um, you would be quite willing to discuss those potential changes with the Minister, I understand. 
Oh well, absolutely, John. I mean, that's that's what we're about. You know, we we, we want to try and get, you know, to get to get a, a scheme there that works for the vast vast majority of farmers and like that. And you know, we we appreciate that. You know, it's hard to cover all aspects, but there, you know, there is time to to change uh, yet. And uh, we'd be appealing to the minister um, to uh, to ensure that you know all views are taken on board and to try and get it as workable as possible for as many farmers as possible. Thank you very much indeed for talking to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, the IFA Rural Development Chair, Mr Michael Biggins. We were talking there about Acres, the Agri-Climate Rural Environment Scheme. Michael, thank you very much indeed. OK, thanks, John. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr Darren Carty, Livestock Specialist with the Irish Farmers Journal. First of all, Darren, welcome to the programme. Now, Darren, with temperatures passing 30 degrees centigrade currently, livestock welfare must be considered and be to the fore. So what would some of the main risk areas be and the conditions that people should be on the lookout for and guard against, uh, you know, linked to this drought and the dry conditions? The main one, John, is is heat stress. So if we think about our own, I suppose, uh, tolerance to heat and tolerance to these uh, temperatures, it's probably because we're not used to them. And it's no different with animals in this. Any temperatures above 24, 25 degrees, mild heat stress can be an issue depending on a number of factors. But when you go to 27, 28, 30 degrees, that's when there's a lot higher risk of heat stress. And there's, a, I suppose, a few different situations or a few different classes of animals that are really uh, exposed or really, say, at risk. And probably one of the main ones is, is say, dairy cows because they're under so much pressure to produce milk anyway. They have a huge water intake capacity. Like On a normal day, a dairy cow can drink anywhere from 50, 60, 70 litres of water. Uh, put that into the context of 30 degree heat, that shoots up to anywhere from 120 litres to 140 litres, uh, even more. Like, to put that into context, if there isn't, say, I know you have a lot of listeners that are farming, uh, say, listeners. So, one cow, uh, 140 litres, 70 bottles, two litre bottles of, say, belly gown. 100 cow herd, 7,000 uh, bottles. So that just puts it into context the amount of water that's needed. Uh, the main, we, we'll stick with dairy for one second. So the, the main thing that farmers will be doing, say this weather is, they might milk a bit earlier in the morning when it's cooler, milk a bit later in the evening, uh, same thing when it's cooler. They'll target maybe paddocks close to the parlour, the way cows won't have to walk as much in the heat. Uh, some farmers at the moment are bringing in supplementary feed because grass supplies are tight. But the big one then is extra water and shelter. So farmers will have been busy in the last few days. Uh, some will have set up maybe temporary water troughs at the entry to the parlour, exit to the parlour, uh, or along maybe the walkways back to fields, just to make sure cows aren't stressed at all. And then also shelter is the big one that's uh, is to get animals in out of the heat, so letting them out in peak daytime temperatures out to the more sheltered areas. Some people might think, Ginny, should they not be put in at the moment? Should they not be put into a shed? And that's okay if the shed is well ventilated, if it's airy, but there is also a risk, say, for indoor or confined systems where there might be a high stocking rate of, say, sheds getting too warm as well. So that's something that farmers 
have to be cognizant of. If we were in France, Belgium, Germany, a lot of sheds at the moment would be mechanical uh, ventilation systems. We don't have that here for the four or five days a year where we might get this weather. Heat stress, naturally enough, would be particularly high in younger calves. What would some of the signs be that people should be on the lookout for, different signs of behaviour which might indicate possibly the onset of summer mastitis or pneumonia or some condition where at least the animal would be very uncomfortable? But a few signs people should be on the lookout for to ascertain whether the animal is in fact under heat stress. Yeah, so if we look at, say, autumn calf and herds at the moment and they're particularly, say, suckler herds now at the moment, uh, you'll see maybe cows wouldn't be fully sucked, uh, calves would be uh, lethargic, uh, there's a risk maybe of, of say, scours, so you'll be looking out for that as well. But in regard to ammonia, calves would be running the temperature, just wouldn't be maybe following the cow, wouldn't be themselves. Uh, so any sort of issues that did they say the normal telltale signs of those diseases in regards mastitis. Uh, you see maybe cows uh, lame would be one issue uh, after feed. Uh, just sort of dull, lethargic. Uh, and like a lot of farmers currently would be putting on, uh, say, poron or maybe fly tags or, or stock there to the others of, of cows that would be seeking shelter because there would be, while we think that, uh, that there's less activity from flies out in the open, it means they're all confined to shelter. So that brings its own risks from mastitis as well. Uh, just going back, I'd say, on the, on the calf side of things, if, if calves and indeed cows, again, have access to water, access to shelter, there shouldn't be any major problems. But as you say, it is something to be cognizant of. And on the cattle side, there probably isn't as much of a risk with with transport at the moment because there wouldn't be huge numbers or the stocking rates wouldn't be maybe as high or there wouldn't be the same risk as, say, for sheep, for example. A few things to be on the lookout for. Reduced movement in calves, faster breathing rate, open-mouthed panting, decreased feed intake, increased water consumption, all those points you were referring to. And indeed, very important to bear in mind our own safety and the safety of animals. But could I just take you to an area which is very specialist, but it's extremely important and high risk, ensuring safe transport of animals. Would you have a few salient tips there to ensure the welfare of the animals? And of course, not least, the farmer's pocket, that stock would arrive in optimal condition and uh, comfortable. Definitely, John. And and at the moment, the big risk category here is with sheep. Uh, if we think of, say, sheep, for example, they have a heavy fleece of wool, uh, which is a good, say, it keeps them warm, but it also keeps them cool as well. It's a good conductor and it's a good insulator. But you put all animals into a trailer together and if you one animal that, say, lies down uh, the heat inside in that trailer will be a lot more uh, uh, than maybe the outdoor temperature, even though that's going to be high. But you take one of those animals, lies down, there's very little air movement at the bottom of the trailer, and you can very quickly get animals uh, smothering so you can. So that's a big risk. So you want to be careful that animals, uh, before they travel, that they're allowed rest time. You wouldn't be 
say, flocking animals, picking animals, say, ready to go to the mart, or there's, there might be exerts going through a handling unit, then loading them up and then maybe travelling for a longer distance. You'll be making sure there's to be plenty of rest times. You reduce down the stocking rate in this. If animals do lie down, that they're not hugely bunched together or close together in this, in that there will be more airflow in the trailer. Make sure that all air inlets are open and also you would be uh, fasting animals as well. So you would be for uh, transport. It just reduces the pressure on them as well. Uh, and like you mentioned transport there, a real critical one as well. This, and it's not just for farmers, but it's it's uh, for, for dogs in, in, in vehicles at the moment or for even for dogs that are, say, working or, or say, dogs that are uh, house dogs. Because if we think of animals and you think on a hot day, you mentioned there about an animal panting. Well, it's it's perfectly normal for an for a dog to be panting, uh, the tongue to be out, uh, because that's how they regulate their heat. So dogs are, I suppose, different than the rest and other animals in this. Uh, by them panting, they can sort of cool down themselves, provided that they are dehydrated. So the big thing with dogs is this: you're not overly exerting them in say peak temperatures. You're making sure that they've access to fresh water to, that they're keeping hydrated. Uh, and then there's another big factor as well in this. If we took off our shoes and socks socks, and went walking around or walking on a road or walking on tear, we'd soon see how hot it is. Uh, dogs are exactly the same. While uh, the foot pads of dogs are, are very robust in, in safer walking on rough terrain, if you combining rough terrain and heat, uh, the foot pads of dogs can very quickly get burned. So that's, that's one area that everybody, uh, homeowners, farmers, everybody, anybody who owns pets, that's something they need to be cognizant of. Transporting animals at times when the traffic mightn't be at its highest and uh, you know, in the morning or certain times of the day when the traffic mightn't be at its heaviest and the temperatures mightn't be at their highest. So in that kind of way, I know it involves logistics and the farmer might be out of pocket by reducing the stocking rate. But again, you would benefit in the longer term by not packing animals in. It would ensure those animals, when they arrive, they'd be in better condition. So reducing the stocking rate or tailoring the stocking rate accordingly. I understand that in the specialised units, there are fans in place to regulate temperature. Oh, there would definitely be. Like, like if you take, say, them specialised trucks at the moment, they're, they're like, I suppose, uh, travelling on the on the best bus or the most battered bus that's there. Uh, they're all, say, tailored for long-haul trips. Like So, so they're, they're, I suppose, maybe different than the ordinary one. There wouldn't be too many farmers moving animals long distances in this heat. Uh, a lot of farmers might be bringing them short distances to a mart, moving them from different fields or bringing them to the factory. And that's something I think is also worthwhile. You said about the logistics. You can just talk to your factory procurement agent, see what's the best time. I, we even drafted lambs there uh, uh, yesterday and the uh, factory procurement man said, look at come in the evening before we're trying to tailor animals coming in a certain amount of the evening the way we won't be as busy in the morning when there's tiki's and that sort of thing everybody is working through, uh, through it now to make sure animal welfare is kept first and foremost 
what are the salient things people should be aiming for, farmers should be aiming for in ensuring that their livestock stay healthy and safe? And- when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Relatively comfortable in this uh, drought or near-drought conditions. Yeah, so what I'd be saying is, uh, shelter, water, and if you have to do work, well, then do it early in the morning, late in the evening when there isn't peak temperatures. And not just animals, make sure to mind yourself as well. We're the worst in the world for putting on sun cream, for putting on hats, for uh, m- mind of what we drink during the day. Uh, so that is a big one as well. That it's not just animals that can succumb to heat stress very quickly we can uh, suffer that ourselves, John, as well. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Darren Carthy, the Livestock Specialist, Irish Farmers Bureau. Thank you, Darren, for that great information. Thanks a million. No worries, John, anytime. We are joined on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme by Mr. James Murphy, Chagask Dry Stock Advisor, Sandfield Mallow in County Cork. First of all, James, welcome to the programme. Before we look at some issues related to the potential droughts this region we're facing, you have a very important educational announcement that might appeal to our younger farmers in particular. Yeah, John. Chagas Cork West are planning a West Cork a part-time green course starting in September. So people there who are interested in uh, joining in a part-time green store course, you can please, you can have, send your inquiries. Uh, you can call uh, 026-416-04. 026-416-04. Now, James, we come to our main topic, of course, uh, related to drought and uh, talk of drought and signs of drought, unfortunately. Have you any update on this and what can a farmer do when we're faced with these, uh, not to be too pessimistic, a near drought scenario at the moment at least? It is very topical at the moment. So just reading up there, just according to Meteor and there, just in the past week, look, it has been drier than normal there, especially in Leinster and East Munster. Um, while rainfall look, in other parts of the country has been normal or actually been slightly above. And it's the south of the country there we're kind of suffering the, the most. It's been the driest region with only, let's say, 3.7 millimetres of rain just recorded at Cork Airport there 
last week. That's only 18% of the av- of, on average for the time of the year. So with that, kind of the soils in Leinster and Munster are currently they're very dry. We're approaching these near drought conditions in, in parts of the east. So that's kind of leave a soil moisture deficit of kind of generally here ranging kind of from 40 millimetres in the southwest to 82 millimetres in the east. And kind of met here and along with that, that's kind of put a soil moisture deficit just for this week there of 55 millimetres there around the Cork City area. So with that there as well, there will be some restrictions for growth in these areas with many parts of the east, other areas of the south as well facing these drought or near drought conditions. But along with that, look, that is going to be variable across the region and also across in a, across the farm too as well. So farmers do have, look, this heavier kind of fields. They are growing more grass than the drier ground. The newer reseed towards are well are also growing more grass than the old pastures. And then farms with the kind of higher soil fertility too as well are growing more grass in general than those with the poorer soil fertility. Now, just kind of speaking in, t- in terms of a dry stock frontier too as well, it's variable amongst kind of farms too as well. So, some dry stock farms do have a kind of a, a low demand, so we'll only have to make a few kind of tweaks, while some others do have a higher demand. So each farm, look, we have to make a look at their own individual situation. Nevertheless, look, from pasture-based Ireland, okay, uh, online, we can see, look, there is grass growing everywhere, and this grass needs to be encouraged, okay? So with the, with the application of fertilizer, this is possibly in areas where the soil, mess, soil moisture deficit is kind of below the 60 millimetres of rain. So we need to tailor fertiliser application based on the current soil moisture deficit in your region and depending on the weather conditions and the grass growth rate on the farm and in the field in particular. However, look, if this drought conditions do persist and we do go above this kind of 60 millimetres of soil moisture deficit, it is advised to kind of delay nitrogen rain, nitrogen until that kind of rain is forecast, especially on those bare kind of swards. So just in the, look, looking up there just before uh, today, just on Thursday, it looks like rain possibly could be coming in the second half of next week. So we'll have to wait out for that too as well then, John. Now, grazing management tips, insofar as people have grass to manage and, you know, things are not really that desperate, what would uh, a few grazing tips be for farmers, we'll say, with suckler cows and calves, for suckler cows and calves uh, people? Yeah, so look, what we're looking at here is just is trying to maintain covers, OK, and trying to stick into rotation and kind of possibly reducing demand if it is necessary, and kind of acting now are kind of the key kind of managing practices to kind of get through this kind of period that we might be through. So at the moment, look, we are looking at growth rates of around 55 kilos per hectare. Now, there is predicted growth rates on pasture-based Ireland, again, of 46, okay? So we are kind of looking at stretching a rotation, okay, of 25 to 30 days in order to kind of achieve this kind of 1,400 kilos of dry matter pre-grazing cover or this kind of ideal cover of grass that, that we're kind of looking at with that. So with that kind of demand will have to equal or to be lower than the growth in order to maintain these kind of covers. So look, as the old saying, as we're saying, it takes grass to grow grass. It's still applying here. So we're looking at some possibly some supplementary feeding with hay or silage and concentrate. Um, the introduction of the supplementation should be done before grass supply on the farm declines to a serious extent where we're running down the covers too much. So just what, in terms of a suckler cow and calf kind of front or on these suckler farms is that one, re- one way in terms of reducing demand would be the spring-born calves could be weaned earlier. And so when they reach a minimum weight of possibly around 250 kilos, 
These calves then could be supplemented with rations and with the levels will depend on the level graph of covers available on the farm and the demand on the farm. Some of these other spring-born kind of earlier weanlings that are not at the 250 kilos should, could be forward creep grazed and supplemented where possible to do so too as well. And where the breeding season is over, which should be on most farms now for spring calving, these spring calvers could be restricted in terms of grass supply too as well. Look, grass and silage should be supplemented to the cows with no more than 25% of grades per week then as well. And we're looking at these unproductive, unproductive cows in the farm, let's say the ones that you're not having calf or possibly your poor performers could be culled with a high price that we're still kind of achieving now to kind of reduce the demand that's on the farm as well. Now, that referred to suckler cows in calves uh, management, some tips there for grazing. What would you say about, uh, we'll call them the other beef cattle on farm? A few tips there maybe you have. Yeah, so look, just there with look, our yearlings and kind of store cattle then as well is, look, once again, it's a way up kind of the demand and the growth rate on your farm too as well. But if, there could be the introduction of, of silage or hay just to kind of maintain this 25 or 30 day rotation. And if it is necessary to supplement or concentrate, if the kind of the grass levels are to, to, to lose, you reduce demand here too as well. Now, if you do have heavier cattle too as well, or forward store cattle that are close to be finished, you could be finishing them on an ad lib diet of meal too as well. However, it's just watch out here that it's essential to build up these kind of concentrate slowly, kind of over the course of two to three weeks. And always feed at least kind of 10 to 15% kind of long roughage or hay or silage or straw and ensure that there's an, always a supply of clean water available to as well to these animals. Now, we touched on water there. So water supply is something that perhaps might be overlooked in normal weather. Would you tell us more about this and how many gallons or litres of water would cows drink and do they drink more in the night or during the day? And I'm sure you have plenty of tips of making sure trucks are good and sturdy and uh, can't be knocked over when the cow noses them. Yeah. So look, it is something that's often kind of, kind of, a water requirement is often kind of overlooked, especially on, on beef farms. So, especially during these kind of hot temperatures, right, cattle do become kind of very stressed, if you know what I mean. And, and uh, let's say if the water requirements aren't being fulfilled, and as a consequence, especially on beef farms, their animal thrive and live weight gain just suffer. Well, we're trying not to, to minimize that there as well. So, like, water requirements are kind of influenced there, as we're saying, on the weather temperatures, but also on the animal's diet and the live weight gain that they're gaining too as well. So water requirements, um, so as we can say, just in terms of the beef cattle front there as well, the cattle can drink, let's say, 15 litres per day per 100 kilos of live weight. So let's say a 400 kilo animal could be drinking up to 60 litres of water. And this can in- increase significantly then as well in terms of uh, in, in these warmer kind of weather conditions. So just to, to be mindful of that. And along with that, out, out, let's say out, out in the farm, out in the field too as well, is the size of the trough is also another critical factor too as well. So as you were saying as well, John, just not to be knocked over too as well in the size of the trough. We, we're looking at here is in terms of the size of the trough, we're looking a rule of thumb. We'd be looking at 1.5 gallons or 7 litres per livestock unit that you'd have in a kind of a, a grazing herd that you'd have on your farm normally. So the size of the water trough is, is, is essential here. That the trough is not running out of water every time and that there's a constant supply of water to, 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 the, to the animals in the, in the herd. And we're talking there about beef animals because, after all, you are the Chagas Dry Stock Advisor in Sandfield Mallow. So very important there, beef cattle do need, did you say 15 litres of water? Per, per 100 kilos of live weight. So, so a 400 kilo animal could be needing up to 60 litres of water. 
What hints and tips, James, on feeding out forage supplements would you have in this dry weather? So look, these look these dry weather conditions do make the task of kind of feeding out hay or silage that much easier. Okay, so each farm look will have its own preference, kind of based on facilities, machinery, and also labour. But the main aim is to is, is to is remain is to reduce the total grass intake to the level of daily growth or below it on the farm. So if we're looking at like a day, if the daily grass is known on the farm, some of the options for feeding would be, as I was saying, is feeding hay or silage to cattle in the grazing paddock. So some farms have kind of used it as a double temporary wire as a feeding rail to, to good effect. So this approach kind of simplifies kind of the grazing management of the main group. So let's say a pasture machine such as a diet feeder, the forage could be spread in, in a long linear distance and kind of under the wire. And you're given at least one meter per, per animal or per cow to reduce the chance of bullying to as well. So with that, kind of bale silage could be fed at any stage after wrapping, okay? But these bales need to be consumed quickly or as quickly so they're not to heat. So we're kind of going here with these bales, but kind of with a little and often approach here. So a typical bale here made from kind of surplus grass uh, would have about 200 kilos of dry matter. Therefore, two bales would feed around 100 animals with four kilos of dry matter for the day. So the expected intake of the bale silage would be around three to four kilos for a three to four hour feeding period, period provided all animals have equal access to as well. Now, speaking about let's say the pit silage then as well, I would not be recommending opening a pit until at least three weeks before ensiling. So if it has been closed for less than three weeks, I would not be opening it in case of spoilage. And along with that then as well, it's just, just coming back onto it and ensure that they do have full access to clean water too as well. Just on top of that too as well, just a side note would be just in terms of slurry application too as well. Just under these hot, dry weather conditions, a lot of nitrogen would be lost too as well to volatilization. So you would, and you'd also present the risk as well of burning, uh, of burning the grass too as well uh, under these hot and dry conditions too as well. So it would be possible, if it is possible, it's just to hold off your slurry applications too as well until a kind of rain is forecast to increase the nitrogen recovery and reduce losses too as well there, John. To round up, what are the key points you're looking at, uh, James? Yeah, so John, look, we're just trying to hold the rotation length, okay? So to around 30 days. So we do maintain a level of grass in the diet and we do maintain these covers of grass in the, in, on the farm too as well. So it is crucial that grass supply on the farms is stretched to keep the grass in the diet of the animals. So along with that too as well, every farm to be grazed around four centimetres as well um, to avoid topping as well as it's kind of wasting feed and it's also, it also inhibits kind of grass regrowth too as well. Graze with a strip wire uh, and back fence to extend the rotation and as I was saying, to supplement the feed deficit, okay, with hay or silage. And where growth, regrowth are poor and non-existent to kind of stop spreading the fertiliser but have the fertiliser ready as soon as the rain is promised. And finally, there as well, it's just to ensure that you have access to do a clean supply of water and to monitor these supplies daily too as well, John. That's grand. Now, I have a phone number there for our younger listeners, or anyone, in fact, to be interested in taking part in a Chagask Green Cert course, particularly the west of the county for our listeners there. So details of this Chagask Green Cert course, and very important, a phone number for that. Yeah, so this is for a part-time Green Cert course that will be starting in, in September. So if you do have any inquiries, please call 026-41604.
So 026-41604. That's grand. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. James Murphy, Chagask Dry Stock Advisor, Sandfield in Mallow and County Cork. Thank you, James, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thanks, John. We are joined on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme by the Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association National Sheep Chair, Mr. Sean McNamara. First of all, Sean, welcome to the programme. Before we look at uh, lamb prices in the current situation, could you give our listeners one or two tips about sheep welfare in the current heatwave? How can we look after the welfare of sheep? The main thing I'd be saying to farmers with sheep is make sure there's water under them at all times. It's exceptionally hot weather at the moment and grass is dry. And a lot of people are telling you sheep don't need water, but they need a lot of water at the moment. And that's the main thing. And another thing is from flies, like from maggots, is a big thing. I'd be saying farmers either dip them or put some sort of a uh, them or something just to keep the, the maggot out with the sheep. And the porons, do the porons work? Do you tend to use porons? Because years I ago... I use myself. I don't like advertising any products, but I use porons and it lays the sheep safe for some months. So any farmer that does them with it's safe nearly. You'll surely get two and a half months out of it and so you go over the fly season then after that it'll be safe enough. So the main thing I'd be telling farmers is do something just to keep the clay away from the sheep. That's the big thing. You feel the processors are being unfair and uh, farmers here in Ireland uh, could be losing up to a million euro a week. Fact is, they've reduced the price by a euro a kilo in the last few weeks, which is equivalent, equivalent to 21 euros a lamb. It works out at 13.5% deduction in the price of lamb. So what the industry could up with that? With the cost of our inputs going up, it's probably going up by, our inputs have nearly got up that by in the last two weeks. Never mind. Uh, taking a 13.5% up. And I was just saying, the average industrial wage is 44,200. At seven, I'm just making out now my own case, at seven euros a lamb um, per kilo, all farmers are making after the cost is when you take land and take all into it, it's seven euros per lamb. And I made it out that a sheep, sheep are selling 1.4 lambs per yo, it needs 6,300 and Sixty lambs to make the average industrial wage. I just said I get six thousand three hundred and sixty lambs to make the average industrial wage, which would be the equivalent of having four thousand five hundred and forty sheep. Now, if they had to leave that twenty-one euros as it was, um, they are not dropped the lambs. It would take a uh, two thousand two hundred lambs, two thousand two hundred lambs to equal the average industrial wage. And at 1.4 lands, it will be 1,500 euros to meet the average industrial wage. So what I'm seeing at the moment is young farmers and older farmers are all just disillusioned and they're pulling away from sheep. And that's the big problem at the moment. And you're saying, strangely enough, uh, this price cutting, alleged uh, price cutting, is happening when supplies are relatively tight. Imports of lamb are, you know, reports to be fairly low at the moment, and supplies are relatively tight. There isn't a, a huge uh, surplus of lamb. So, in fact, what do you want the processors to do to start doing now? Well, I'm asking farmers at the moment to pull back if they're not able to get seven euros a kilo. Just don't get to the lamb. It's about time we took took this into our own hands and tell them if they don't give us at least seven euros a kilo, it's still no good. But if they don't at least give us seven euros a kilo, we're not going to kill the lambs. Without, power, without people uh, supplying them with lamb, 
they'll have no product to kill. After all, when we buy our inputs in the morning and the fella says to you, for the click, we'll say, for example, it's 220 euros a ton, you have to pay the 220 euros a ton. You can't go and tell him, I'll give you 160 for the same ton, he'll tell you where to go. Well, it should be that way with the processor as well. It's about time farmers to look for themselves and look for a price of the product. On the hillsides, eating that varied diet, Sheep I've always seen as an organic product, an organic product that's occurring without any great preparation or justified recognition. But the sheep are an organic product and they're tremendously important for the whole agri-community and our national payments. Another thing, um, we got to go ahead from China for sheep meat and since we got to go ahead, no meat has gone into, no lamb has gone into China because it's, as we're told, there's not enough of lamb there for them, but still the fact that it comes along and tells us there's too much lambs. Uh, the American market, in 2021, 286 tonnes went into it of lamb. Since the American deal was signed, no lamb has gone into America. Borbia has two offices beyond in China. It's supposed to be selling product for us, lamb and beef, and not going out to China. What are they doing out there? You'll be in touch with uh, Bord Beer and you'll be in touch with uh, the government and the people who are responsible for um, encouraging exports to find out why we aren't exporting more to China or, or more to America. And in fact, at the same time, despite the relatively tight supplies, you claim there that you're losing based on the calculations you clearly outlined. That is true. They're decent uh, sheep power for a million a week. Um, there's an export market out there for lamb. I know one particular exporter has been on to me. And the 21-day rule that the department behind that, that has to be, you have to have the lambs for 21 days, or if I buy a lamb today, and I cannot buy another lamb for 21 days if I'm an exporter or going to export lambs, I cannot export lambs out of my flock. If I buy a lamb today, I have to, we say we bought 10 lambs today, I have to hold them 21 days. And if I buy anything in between, I'm not allowed to export lambs on my flock, which is a big thing. And that's what is closing down the exports. There's a big export market out there in Asia and different places for live lambs. And they're not able to move them out of the 21-day rule. If that rule was lifted, it would have put a serious up lift to the market. The biggest hope is now to meet the processors. I have asked them. It's three weeks going on now, and I still have to run holidays. There's every excuse under the sun not to meet me. So I was in a mart all this week. The heavier lamb is a way better trade than the factory, and they're making the equivalent of seven euros a kilo, and all of them is landing in the factory at the same time. So I'd be saying to farmers, keep their options up, look and see what's going on before they kill. Mr Sean McNamara, Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association... National Sheepshire. Thank you, Sean, very much indeed. Thank you, John. It's nice to be on your programme. Thank you very much. Part of a much longer interview with Mr. Sean McNamara. Next week, Sean reviews progress in finding a profitable market for sheep wool. West Cork-based Carberry Group announces it's launched a new phase in its farm sustainability programme. The company is offering a €6 million annual bonus fund for suppliers who meet four sustainability criteria under its Future Proof initiative. Carberry suppliers will receive one centilitre bonus in 2023 in exchange for the implementation of milk recording, meeting certain economic breeding index thresholds, commitment to water quality assessments and using protected urea. Full details of the bonus have been circulated to all of Carberry's suppliers. 
Carberry Group is headquartered in Ballinine and employs almost 900 people with 1,215 local farmer suppliers. It's owned by four Irish cooperatives, Bandon, Barry Row, Drina and Isaverd. That's Farm Talk for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to Barry O'Mahony and Marie Tuig for contributing to the programme again this week. In particular, Ms. Marie Tuig, news reporter with 96.3 FM News, for creating the podcast for Farm Talk on the web. And of course, a special thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.